Welcome Wargamers, join your hosts, Falco and Monty, two Canadian wargaming enthusiasts, as we explore all aspects of tabletop wargaming. We roll dice, talk tactics, share hobby hacks, and explore new tabletop systems, all on the Trident Wargaming Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Bolt Action episode, Trident Wargaming. I'm your host, Andy, and with me is my battle buddy, Mr. Jason. Well, howdy. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good, you, sir. Not too bad, not too bad. Staying warm, as it has gotten a little bit colder in our region. Yeah, so, yeah I know. <laughs> but enough about the cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need so, warm. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I missed the summer already. Even the fall was okay, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, today uh, today's episode is all about uh, observers in the game of bolt action. Uh, decided to kind of look at those as they kind of came up on some armies that I've been looking at building and a couple of their uh, articles and whatnot that kind of just have passed through and caught my attention. So figured we would uh, give that a go today and try to try to kind of stick with some of like the tactical talk and everything with them and uh, all that kind of stuff that we usually do. Um, but before we jump into the meat and potatoes, um, how's the hobby front looking? Crowded. We have the Gentleman's War coming up this Saturday, and I am frantically painting. In fact, I'm actually working on bases right now as I speak uh, for the uh, for that event. So I'm doing uh, the Maori Battalion, New Zealand. That's right. Very nice. So it uh, should be fun, uh, but maybe choosing a list where I have 40 infantry plus support was a poor choice. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm really cramped for time. I'm going to choose an army with lots of infantry. <laughs> I'm also an idiot. Nah. I. Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I... Uh, pretty much for this event it's literally been like build an army from scratch okay get it all built get all the packs on everything like that right so um kind of the same boat um, we're both idiots yeah but, <laughs> but yeah i'll tell you tell a little bit about that afterwards um so so you're working on that uh obviously you're painting and whatnot um i know you've shown me some pics of, painting uh, up a storm using uh we're using contrast paints for that you know what i found a couple of uh the contrast paints by themselves i don't necessarily like but i've been uh kind of and you know people can crap on me because i'm not the uh, best painter but uh i it works for me i'm using it quasi like an ink quasi like a I don't know what the word like a glaze like a wash glaze yeah oh, yeah to tint and i don't like it how it looks on you know the zenithal type 
deals, but okay. I'm loving how I'm tinting colors to achieve a bit of a deeper version of the color, you know? Right. That I, and, uh, you know, and like an ink, it goes into the cracks and crevices, so I'm getting that. And then just uh, a quick highlight over it, and I'm finding it's actually... So not quite like speed painting as advertised, mm-hmm. but I think I'm getting a a better effect for my buck than I'm putting in, you know? So okay. instead of highlighting three or four shades... And instead of having the really glossy appearance of ink that you have to tone down quite a bit sometimes, I'm finding I'm kind of liking the uh, effect of it. And the skin tone, is, though, is amazing. Nice. The, the skin one is great. And, of course, I'm have, I had a bit of trouble at first trying to match the Maori you know, skin tone. And I think I'm getting a little... Uh, Closer to it? A little closer to it, yeah, using uh, the uh, Crusader skin speed paint or whatever the heck the uh, army painter one is. I think what's the one that just came out with a mm-hmm. new line? I think it is speed paint, yeah, yeah, speed paint, yeah. So, uh, uh, using that over uh, a couple different uh, kind of tan ish colors, okay, to, yep. to get what I want. And uh, for whiteies, it straight up works just over white pretty well. You get a really good effect. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I've been... Experimenting with different product too, eh? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Those are, are like, myself, they're good, like, tools to be using for your painting and whatnot, make things a bit easier. Um, I know I've been uh, painting some 30K uh, with the reds, and I was using like four oh, different yeah. reds, mixing 50-50 colors, this and that, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, Bill had talked to me about the contrast and putting them through the airbrush. Oh, okay. And do the xenophil. Um, I use, you know, I start black, and then what I do is in the shadows of the model, I'll spray like a Dark Angel's green. Oh, okay. Right. And then I'll hit the top of the model with the xenophil with the white. And then, yeah. I, then I go and I take the contrast red, which is Bale red, like a blood angels red pretty much. Um, and Ooh. I, and I spray it and it, it's so like rich it, it and fills everything in. And then yeah. the green turns to your dark shadows, right? Nice. Right. And then, uh, that's all, that's all it is. It's just, you do a few coats of that on, on the miniature and boom, done. And it's just like, Sweet. so you're telling me instead of mixing, you know, three paints, using them normally, then 50, 50 mixes, using them normally, like doing that sequence, like six times, it's like, phew, that just saved me a lot of time. You know what I mean? And, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. It works really good. So. I can see stuff like, I'll have to try stuff like that with bolt action. Uh, the only thing I find that might be an issue is the colors, right? Trying to find closer yeah, colors. They don't have any like uh, uniform colors, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, that's where I'm using it kind of to 
tint and shade and and i find a lot of the inks add that glossiness that i don't really like on a maybe great on a space marine or something but you know doesn't really look like a uniform jacket yeah um, you can always you can always uh use the flat um coating protector oh yeah that that would work too yeah yeah as long as you don't frost it <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so hmm, well that's pretty cool you got that going um anything you got anything else kind of uh sitting in the background or just that at the moment pretty much just that for the last two weeks i've been very cool going hard hard on that since uh the tank battle yeah yeah tank wars we'll have to touch base on that too actually um excellent yeah myself it's 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 kind of the same boat as jason except not painting just building um the third german army of mine that i'm working on <laughs> go figure um so it, it is for the gentleman's war um so it's kind of i guess to fit the theme of the event um which will be pretty fun um a lot of players i think there's 18 players now or 16 yeah 18 players yeah, i think i think it was 18 yeah i saw it uh yesterday or this morning yeah which is pretty cool i kind of blown away i was like oh wow we'll see if i can get those numbers next time on an event as well yeah um, no doubt but yeah that's that's pretty much really about it been looking at um but really andy i feel that i count like eight people yeah i count as <laughs> eight players so only if you're really... making the sound effects <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it'll be funny because they'll they'll uh they'll enjoy that when we get it out there so pretty excited for that i know bill's excited uh, nice. actually a lot of the guys are are pretty excited uh, for oh. it so and then p.s dana uh challenge accepted <laughs> and i'm i'm going i'll see you there in a couple of days if you're listening, although probably I would have seen you there yeah. in the past, <laughs> past week or two. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll make sure to, uh, to put that in the beginning of the episode. This is kind of a pre-record. <laughs> we're talking about the future, past, past, future, something like that. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, Great Scott, Marty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly but yeah it should be good it'll, it'll be fun uh i'm glad that we're we're going and it'll be quite entertaining to see everybody else play their different armies and stuff too so yeah, it'll be but, great just to you know meet and talk to different guys to play some games against you know people we haven't played before which is kind of nice yeah exactly yeah exactly Be good times but um so yeah going forward we have um some observer talk observing the observers oh so you went your, there your, your observations um <laughs> so yeah your forward observation officers and whatnot your foe 
We're going to talk about some foos today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I pity the foo. Pity the foo. There you go. Now your podcast owes Mr. T a nickel. <laughs> I'll probably get dinged for that on the uh, upload. You get dinged. Yeah. You're, <laughs> that's yeah. it. I've, I've tanked you, Andy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, you have your two observers, your artillery observer and your air observer. And, of course, actually, there's also, what, third one? Uh, the naval. naval. Yeah. Which um, is brutal. It is brutal. And I definitely, like, kind of recommend using that in part of maybe scenarios where both players know that they can take it or use it kind of thing. Um, so mm. it all depends on the scenarios too, right? Like, cause that's what it is, is from like theater books. But uh, regardless, I mean, you're going to have fun with it. So, but yeah, the observers, they're, they're a mixed bag. Uh, a lot of guys that I've been seeing and reading online, they, some guys absolutely love them. And then other guys think that they really are a little too strong in game. Here's, here's my argument against that, Andy, because I hear this all the time coming from mostly German players. You want to know what Grand Tiger is? Tiger fear, Tiger fear every 12 seconds. <laughs> but holy God, you get one shot with one guy yeah, and the game's broken. And I'll tell you what, if this unit was so good, how come I've never seen them take one? True. It's only a hundred points. I mean, British get it for free, but lots of, you know, lots of armies get a free unit. It's not that big of a deal. If it's if it's an all powerful game breaking unit, how come I don't see them all over the place? But I never do. I'm basically the only guy, <laughs> or one of the only guys that pays for these stupid things. But I have to hear the guff every time it hits. They're the greatest unit on the planet, and it's gosh darn it is it unfair i don't know if it fits in the rules but yeah. uh, they forget about the five other games where they basically did okay okay gears have been ground <laughs> i'm good i think <laughs> we lit a fire underneath jason's ass just now <laughs> <laughs> whoops oh my god uh, it's okay and surprisingly he didn't really curse in that one but um, yeah i kept it together i kept good. it Pretty PG. <laughs> oh, right on. Uh, you know, to that to that point, um, you are right on that matter. Like, it, it does come up like that in a sense, right? I mean, I rarely ever use them. Ever. Yeah. Like, I'm taking one in my list for the, the event we're going to. And I rarely take it. Um, I just... There's a lot of times I just can't fit it into my army, right? Oh, but Andy, but don't you know that it's game breaking? It's the best unit okay. in the game. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't play the meta. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like for me, it was, it's, it's a thematic thing for this current army, right? Because I have the, the Stuka, the yeah. model that I built, right, and. It's just a scene, scenic kind of thing for this event because it's it's a friendly event. It's thematic, you know. They're, they're in that area of play. They had these planes, the Stukas and stuff like that. 
So, you know, even though I know that the, the air observer, I think the artillery observer is um, kind of better for, for the damage and stuff, but screw it. Like I'm taking an air observer for fun, right? Like it's, let's totally it, right. If it doesn't come in, it doesn't come in. That's so be it. But going back to your point, uh, you know, they're too powerful. I, I don't, I don't see them as being too powerful because it's not a guarantee. Right. No. And even no, in, even if it was a guarantee, I don't think they're too powerful. You're paying a hundred points for this, and you get it, the ability once, unless you're American, yeah. right? Because Amer American can fire down too, right? Or or there's certain theater selectors that give you different options. Like the Soviets have a theater selector. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but where they get to use the uh, artillery observer twice. Oh, see, and that's, yeah, see. So, like, I don't know. Having that in the game, it's another option in the game, which I don't think is, is overpowered or anything like that. I don't really think there's really much in the game that is really overpowered, right? No. It's um, no. It just, it, it when it happens, you know, people might just kind of be like, oh, well, shit. You know, it just, well, just totally. hit my squad. Well, what's the difference between that hitting your squad and a, and uh, um, a medium howitzer hitting your squad, right? Like, there's no difference. The medium howitzer has an easier time hitting your squad than that thing does, you know? Yeah, to yeah, totally. It's a... Yeah, it's I don't a, think any of the rules are game-breaking. No. And I thought, my rant comes from a place of hearing it constantly, like, oh, this unit's broken when it hits. I never hear that when it uh, misses. It doesn't even come on, or you can place the marker. Yeah, you know, and and very easily that argument could be made every single time. You know, Tiger Fear forces me to take the test and I fail it, and I don't get to do anything. Well, that's or you yeah. get, uh, you know, it's easy to call out the rule when it goes against you. You know, oh wow, you wouldn't have hit me, but the Germans get that extra machine gun shot. You know, <laughs> machine guns aren't that great, but it's it's. It, it, you know, it's easy to call that out when it's, but really, if you sit back and look at them, mm -hmm. they're decent. That's why I take them, especially when they're free with British armies. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's my that might be where some people might get a little, you know, uh, salt. Um, well, is that because it, it is free? Right. Yeah, you're, you're getting this free unit that gets to plop this damage on the board and let's say it takes out let's say it takes out my tank what right yeah. but again people gonna understand too like bolt action you know it's 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 a different type of game it's a different not saying that you know things like that don't happen um but it's a different uh kind of game aspect to the game just showing that you know there are strikes coming from abroad so they put this into the game to to have that kind of um, a little bit of flavor like that into the game. Now, as for it being overpowered or uh, you know not um, really, in in my opinion, I don't think it is. Sure, you land that hit and it kind of turns the game or or wrecks your unit or whatever you know. But it's going to happen one way or another. Stuff like that happens. Um, yeah, and it, that's that's one thing I can definitely uh, say 
it does change the course of a game if it hits. It can. Yeah. Uh, but so can a well placed charge or, yeah, you know, I don't think it's uh, you know, there's a lot of things that have to go into it before it actually uh, comes off that way. And then again, it's uh, you know, one game out of every six, it's amazing and devastating. And the rest of the games, it causes a couple of pins. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one way of looking at it, right? Like it's, it's just kind of some stuff that I came across that I've, I've yeah, read, totally. you know, stuff like that. So good to get that out and, and uh, just kind of, I feel better. The view of it, right? But ultimately, you know, talking about these observers and the differences between them, um, even like, when you are placing these observers and stuff in the beginning of the game, you know, you could ad advance deploy them and whatnot. So, um, one thing that I, I do notice with observers, um, and it's definitely something to keep in the back of your head is to be able to set them up beginning of the game, you know, deployment, activation, all that stuff where, you will be able to use their ability to call in a strike first turn. Like pick yeah, a target, use pick a target, pick it, get it down, get an in the game early. Right? Yeah. Anytime I've ever, oh, I'm waiting for the spot. I'm waiting for the time. It goes awry. So, so it, and it happened to me the, in my last game. Um, so it, it's, yeah, I, that's what I find. Like, don't hold on to it. <laughs> yeah. Start using it. Right. Cause eventually, you know, you're going to notice that. And, and here's kind of the tactic with it too, is, you know, you target a unit or you target that spot, whichever case it may be. And now it's forcing your opponent to say, okay, that's a danger zone. Am I going to split my forces apart? Am yeah, I going to start, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the true value on it. Because the honest answer is it doesn't hit that often or doesn't hit that many things that often. And even when you do, mostly you're causing pins. You know, that's what it's for. But the psychological effect, I mean, it'll throw people off of objectives. Yeah. You know, it uh, splits armies. It makes people spread out their deployment even if they know you have one. Uh, you know, they might not uh, do a refused flank. They might, you know, buckle down and, and uh, well, buckle down. I don't know what that has to do with it. But they might uh, spread spread their forces out, making it a little easier for you to uh, concentrate, you know. Uh, you know, it does lots of things without it actually well, even hitting. I think that's the true yeah the true value and to, to your point there like uh like you're saying it forces your opponent um you know to move in these areas that aren't in their best laid plans that they've had so it forces them in the areas maybe these are areas that you can exploit or that you have pre-set up to be with like ambush ambush or even pre-game where you guys are deploying or you're moving onto the board and you have some kill zones and you see some spots that you can fire on and it's like okay well 
if I put this here, maybe there's a chance he's going to shift over, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. it, it's a chance where, you know, you can exploit because usually the opponent is so, you might be so worried about that and they might not, they might be experienced to, you know, realize that, okay, you know what, when it does hit, it's going to hit, but it might not be that bad. Um, or it, it will hit and it'll hurt me really bad because it's just how clumped I am. But yeah, totally. being able to, to throw that, you know, at the opponent and have you been able to exploit maybe some, uh, mismaneuvers that he does or she does, right? It's, yeah. it's tactics. It's a fear factor. It's, uh, like the psychological thing, like you said, right? Um, yeah, well, they, I mean, they use the phrase breaking up an attack with artillery. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens is that attack that's coming towards you starts spreading out in every direction. Yeah. Uh, to get away from that artillery strike. I think it's pretty aptly uh, used phrase. And again, that's before it even hits. So it hasn't even done anything. All you did was you issued a fire order to your uh, observer. That's something to remember too. I, I Lots of people have done it. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm an idiot and I'm tired right now. Mm. But you need to issue a fire order. It's not an advance order. It's a fire order with those guys. So people catch themselves out of position and then have to wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I had to actually <laughs> look that up yesterday. Um, when I was playing, cause I was like, can you advance? And then f no, it's actually a fire order that you have to do. Yeah. You're on the radio given, given directions. You don't yeah. have time to dink around. Yeah. So it's, it's good to make sure that's clear. Cause yeah, that's, uh, that could be a misplay right there and a real, you know, bad misplay that, that, that can happen. Um, so yeah, totally. It's good to, good to get that out and make sure everybody's understanding that. So, but, uh, there's some good info right there for sure that we just, just talked about. And, um, between the two, you know, where the artillery observer is, uh, more of a damage dealer, you know, um, striking and hitting with a, a large template. And then doing damage and getting a, a plus to damage as well, um, compared to the air observer, which essentially does a lot of pins in a surrounding area, and then it also can hit pretty hard. It can. It can hit really hard. Yeah. But it requires more luck. Yeah. Because you have to get the right plane too. And not to mention, it could get shot down. Yeah, there's, uh, and yeah, especially uh, some of the late war armies uh, can throw up a lot of flack. Yeah. Uh, which can hamper some of that uh, air observer love. Yeah, and that, the observer, the air observer is a little, a little tricky too. Like, uh, it might be a little confusing at times when you're reading the actual rules for it. Um, cause it's, you pretty much, you're picking a unit 
compared yeah. to, compared to a location, right? I believe the artillery is a spot on the board, right? The artillery is a spot. You use yeah. a a marker or a coin or something. Yeah. To mark out where he's and it's just any spot on the board he can see. Mm-hmm. Uh he calls in that airstrike and then with a fire order and then you forget about it until the next turn. The very first thing you do the next turn, you roll to see if it comes in. There's a chart on page 84, I think it is, 84 or 89, something like that in the rule book. And uh, bada bing, bada zing, you roll on a chart. I don't know why I'm talking in bada bing, bada zings, but uh, <laughs> whatever, that's that's the Jason you got today. And uh, you look it up on a chart and do it, you know, and uh, a, a, a four, five, or six is a hit. You resolve it immediately. A two and a three is a uh, delayed, so you basically have to wait till the next turn. Yeah. And then the very first thing you do on the following turn is to see if it comes in. You roll on a chart again. And a one is, uh, I forget what the rule is called, but like miscommunication or something like that. Basically, it goes off target. Maybe that's what it's called, off target. And uh, you roll 3d6 and a directional die. Which, if you ever noticed, if you look at your uh, bolt action dice, there's a little arrow on each side of the of the die pointing in a different direction. So you can use a just a order dice as a directional die. Yeah, and then it goes that three d six inches in whatever random direction, and it explodes. So wherever it hits, and that might even be better for you. But quite often, if the luck gods are as uh, fickle with you as they are with me, then they'll go directly onto your stuff and uh, kablooey that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and the, uh, the area is uh, 1d6 plus 6 inches, and any unit caught under that uh, area, whatever you rolled, you know, for instance, if you rolled a five, five plus six, you get 11 inch kind of circle and every unit in that circle, uh, uh, you have to roll to see what happens. Yeah. And then, uh, it's a really simple, a one to a five takes D three pins and a six is a hit and the hits are devastating because they're with a four inch template. Uh, but, uh, mostly, obviously you're going to get, uh, the one to five result, getting a couple of pins. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a skinny. It does hit. I mean, it does hit pretty good. Right. But like you are paying, paying for the one shot. That's plain and simple. You are paying. And the, the thing too, is like these units can be easily countered with a sniper. Yeah. So if you take him out in the first round, if you're worried about the observer and you got first draw and you have line of sight, well, you better take that shot, right? Get that chance. We know how snipers work. They usually fail half the time. You're you're going to miss. But yeah, exactly. Um, but there is that counter too, right? Um, and that, and that goes for any observer or any spotter or whatever. Um, yeah. So, but there's also like, you know, that was the artillery observer, and then you have the warplane 
the Air Observer. And um, that's a little bit different because its chart is you've you got to roll to see if it's coming in. And then you have to roll on a second chart, which tells you what type of uh, airplane is coming in. But there, there's a couple different things with that is first you, you pick that unit that they're targeting. And then when you roll for it to come in, if it's coming in, the opponent and even yourself, because I think you have to try to restrict your guys from shooting flack at the plane coming in because they don't know if it's friend or foe, right? Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, there's a chance that anything with flak and machine guns and stuff can land hits on the plane. And I think it's, if it, it takes three hits, it uh, it pretty much is crashed or veers off or taken down yeah, or something like only, that. Only sixes count as hits. Yes. But so, still, some of the late war list, I mean, you really got a lot of flak, so it gets a little harder yeah uh really to uh to bring them in for instance the canadians that i play with uh my bren carriers universal carriers mm -hmm. i pay the 10 points to have the pintle mount lmg and for each of them so they all have flak oh yeah yeah so i'm conchunking a lot of dice up there at you so that's you know there there's that hurdle you have to get past okay yeah and then after that you're pretty much your target unit is is targeted and then anything six inches away from that target unit i believe and um you pick a point i guess it's 18 inches away from that unit yeah and that's the marker of like your airplane so a point of 18 inches and then i believe it's uh six inches away from yeah, the center of that point if you kind of think about it it's basically like the approach of the aircraft yeah flying down at the unit so you pick the unit and then 18 inches before the unit and that's like the approach as it's coming for its uh strafing run or bombing run yeah. And then, yeah, it's six inches. So I, I believe it's three inches on either side of a center line going from the unit to the marker you you laid out 18 inches away. Is it three inches on each side, like a six inch, or am I forgetting I that? I think it's six inches from the marker, uh, from what I understood. It could be it's wrong. Along, it's along the line, and any unit kind of caught in that, uh, you know, cylinder of pain that uh that uh straight line is it no matter how yeah is is uh hit with pins huh. and then the final unit is potentially hit with a a kaboomer interesting again my my crack habit might have uh mm -hmm. ruined my memory here i don't know yeah, I thought it was, I kind of thought it was the two targets that were uh, just kind of what it, how it was read. Or if, how I, I read if, it, I, but. if I remember correctly, and maybe I should have done research before <laughs> today, if I remember correctly, it's any unit along that line within either the three or the six, which I can't remember, with 
however thick that line gets, is potentially hit with pins. And those vary depending on which aircraft you've you've got. Hmm. Yeah, and it's um, on the chart you have uh, three pretty much choices, well, not choices, but three different roles. So you have uh, a one to two, it's one type of plane where uh, it's plus one pin and then infantry artillery and like soft skin uh, units get 2d6 hits with a plus two pen uh, the next plane that that strikes in it's on a three to four so it's d2 pins uh, plus to the pins and then you have a three inch he template that drops with plus three pins and then five six is d3 plus pins um, and then it's a four inch he template with a plus four pen so um a lot of uh a lot of good hits happening there uh, i i don't know i i kind of like that first one there's a lot of hits on that but it's only uh really for infantry soft skin artillery um, but that's probably mainly what you're going to be striking against anyways in my opinion right like you might have yeah one, you might have one tank on the board but it's not always yeah. the uh, it's not always the uh, end all be all unit that you'd really want to pump some some damage into. So um, it's it's different. Uh, I kind I like it. I like that it's you know uh, you get the roll on that chart uh, again. Like I said, the the way of checking out what's getting hit and stuff could be a little confusing at times, but. Uh, um, just read it out and check it out. We might have botched it here too. I don't, I don't have my book on me, so I'd have to check later and correct us if we're wrong. You know, sometimes that happens, right? So yeah, call um, call Andy out on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just let me know. Let me know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, either way, it, it, units are getting hit no matter what. There's um, pretty much a, a radius of stuff that's going to get hit in those zones, uh, the measurements from either unit or from where the plane comes in, stuff will get hit. So, um, and it's cool if you have, you know, a funky little model that you can use to represent it coming in and take some nice pictures and stuff. So, um, that's, that's pretty good there. And that's again, another another option for you to lay down a whole bunch of pins with this as well right it's um multi totally. multiple different types of pins and then of course um like the one and two the 2d6 hits that plus two pin that's pretty big so if if a lot of units are getting smacked with that you know I, I definitely can put some hurt on units uh, Americans get to call in two of these. Um, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I have seen them backfire. Yeah. And I've seen my opponent get attacked by two of these and pretty much, you know, pushed him back into his own zone because he got hit so hard that he couldn't keep advancing. So and it does happen. But that's the, that's the beauty of it. There's a miscalculation or, or whatever. Um, that there's a chance of it hurting your own units. So, and you've seen that in different games too, stuff like this, very similar. 
where that can happen. So yeah, yeah, know. totally. I love the variability. You know, it doesn't always work out the way you planned. Yeah, uh, I like that. Even when it goes against me, maybe I like it less when it goes against me. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but I I like having that. And honestly, some of the funnest moments I had playing this game ever, or when crap like that goes terribly against me. So. Uh, that's something people should leave in the comments. Yeah. What's that? What's your horror story of uh, of some uh, attack or something you're doing in the game gone completely awry? Yeah. Did you have a crazy foobar moment? Oh you know? my god, foobar! Um, did your artillery come in and and you know? Uh, really do some major damage on a on a high value target that kind of thing you know um just there's there's so many different little stories and and uh stuff that you can little war stories you can tell did you go open top and have a mortar hit you and take out your tank i knew that was coming (laughs) i apologize jordan but i knew that was coming so oh gosh that story came up the other day again yeah, nice. it's probably won't be one of the ones that you never you forget ever. So, yeah. but it's nice because like, like I've I've been playing Germans for last fair bit here, and um, you know again like the multiple armies of Germans. So the next round I will be putting the Axis powers down and trying to build another ally force. Um, so there might be some airborne or um, actually just regular force, really. You know, uh, maybe British, American, one of the Ooh. two. Something You're like going to hit some Brits, hey? Yeah, like actual Brits. Fun. Not, not uh, Canadians. Not Canadians. We'll save not that for a later time. Freaking Canucks. No, we hit, we just everybody loves them. Everybody has yeah. them. Um, I did want to do a, a British force, so um, be pretty neat to do. Get that, and the fact that I'm also looking towards future events and um, future uh, plans because um, our friend Tony, uh, which we've mentioned here a few times, he's the the OG. Uh, one of the OGs, Tony and Curtis, that is, from the 28mm Wargaming Club. Um, he had a good conversation with me the other day, actually, about uh, wanting to run uh, an event as well himself. So we kind of talked and we had the uh, same kind of idea of what we are looking at and what we want to do and, and um, just a planning of, like, you know, well, what kind of event did you want? So, and it's always goes, it always goes back to doing D-Day. Right. Sweet. So hence getting, having armies ready for both sides for myself would be like the ultimate, you know, plan to do. Uh, plus making terrain, plus this, plus that, of course, plus all the other systems I'm in. So, you know, I have to make time for everything. Um, but being able to have some Brits, being able to have maybe some American airborne, you know, for um, 
the pregame to to D-Day attacking the the artillery and stuff like that, right? You know, Ooh, Elias um, will be so stoked. Well, there you go, right? He's he'd be able to be involved in this, right? Which would he's, be awesome. Actually, that's a great idea. He's I would painting. love to have him in the pre-D-Day battle weeks pre us, us actually playing the D-Day event. So that oh, he love that. So that his ga- his game would affect the actual landing. He would love that so much. He's right. working so hard on his uh, airborne guys. He has like think like fourteen or so done. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And and like I'm gonna write that down because yeah, that's, uh, and not to mention he's been reading books. He's read like three books. He's he's ten, so they're young, geared for younger kids. But three books over the last couple months about World War Two. He is uh, he is gung ho, I will say. But see, and that's the nice thing. That's the beauty of it is that just us talking about that right now, like you know, being able to keep that in the back of my head and say, you know what he's going to be involved in this and he's going to have a lot of fun with it. So he, he'll love that. And I'll tell you what, Bill, this, I'm, now I'm going on a tangent. Okay. So I know you, you had a plan and I'm ruining it, but uh, uh, Bill made that post about his kids getting in on the thing. And oh my yes. God. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that gets you in the feels. Hey. So yeah, our, our well. podcast, that's, that was, that was it. The podcast I had with, or we had with the, uh, the gentleman from Warlord Games, I had brought, um, some of that up where you don't see very many, um, kids in the stores playing the games anymore, right? Unless they're with their parents. And I brought up yourself and and your son for, as an example, right? Yeah. And, uh, again, it's the feel goods. I've seen that, seen the kids, and and I mentioned Elias is like, just, he's totally into the game. He knows what he's doing. He can, he can tell what units are what, and it's a great feeling, right? So, oh yeah. And he is, by the way, a killer at Blood Red Skies, (laughs) just a stone cold. There you go. Killer. He is an ace amongst aces. So I have no question in my mind. If I took him to the store. He would take you to school, Andy. Oh, <laughs> oh, he 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 has <laughs> taken me to school plenty of days. He, teach me a thing or two about piloting, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, that's great. Actually, we we should do that at one time. Definitely sit yeah. down and roll some dice. But yeah, I I hear you. I copy that. It uh, it gets you right in the in the feels. I know. I love having him. Uh, you know, hey, mm-hmm. interested, and yeah, you know, like obviously you want to hang out with your kids, but sometimes you end up, you know, you kind of do a lot of crap that you're not interested in. Uh, keep that on the DL, uh, you know, just to spend time with them. But when your interests align with your kids' interest, I mean, that's kind of the the holy grail. So I'm, uh, I count myself pretty lucky to have that. Yeah, and and. Like Bill has been sending me a lot of um, pictures of like the terrain that he's doing for this event, and um, the kids have actually helped him do the terrain, like the dry brushing and and work nice. stuff. And they they think it's really cool that they have the pigs and the goats and stuff, you know, in the pastures. And you know, they they just really enjoyed it and enjoyed helping. Um, 
I ended up giving him some of that uh, material that you gave me for the roads. And, oh, um, yes. His oldest, Ellie, was um, doing the the the, uh, uh, the spackling of the uh, the silicone stuff that yeah, I used, those, that I used for the coating on the you know, and then sprinkling those the roads sand. look so good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they that that stuff is magic. It that, is that uh, the best eighty six dollars I've ever spent in my life for that hundred foot roll. <laughs> I still have like 40 feet and I picked so much crap. And what was it again? It was, uh, it's like a under, under floor matting or something like that. Yeah. I don't even know what it was. I just, just walking around the hardware store looking for other stuff. And I saw this roll and I, I don't know, you know, I'm a, sometimes I'm tactile when I'm walking, I, you know, I just touched it and I'm like, Oh, this would be good. Hopefully a good material for, for the base of a flexible base for roads mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it wor- it works good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and it's it's it really easy to work with. You can cut it with a knife. It's still sturdy enough that it holds up. It's not very thick. Yeah. Go to your local store and buy random product I can't remember the name of. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, flexible, <laughs> durable um, material. And the... And the- Stuff sticks to it, so that's good too, right? And it doesn't curl either, so. No, um, yeah. I had that thing folded and like thrown in one of my terrain totes, like yeah, like material totes, and I pulled it out and I unfold it and it was like, bling! I'm like, nice. Now I can get yeah, strips, right? It's so. so good. Yeah, it stands up better than the pro. I bought some roads a long time ago and it stands up better than those do. Yeah. So... I know a little, little off topic of the uh, observers Sorry. and stuff, but I think, <laughs> I think we're pretty much done with the observers. Um, love them or what hate them. Uh, what observations do you have? Ah, yeah. And then there's the, we also almost forgot the, uh, uh, the naval. Uh, oh yeah. The naval observer, pretty much like the artillery observer. Just bigger. But uh, yeah, but bigger man. And and when you when you roll to uh, hit the, uh, it works a bit different. So a uh, a one, a one to a four, I believe, is a it are pins. And then the uh, if I remember correctly, it's a five, is it near miss and causes uh, uh, possible damage. Hmm. And then, uh, or, or causes more pins. And then the big, big ass template is, I mean, it's not getting bigger than the four inch template. It's still, that's still what it is, but. Which, do you know which book that's in? Do you remember? Uh, the D-Day one. It is, eh? Yeah, it, uh, yeah, and you can even flip over. So a near miss on a vehicle can flip, potentially flip the vehicle over. Rendering it uh, useless. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to look up at that and uh, give it a good solid read. Because you never know in an event that that could take place. Um, worth worth checking out for sure yeah. for people. But he is beefier points wise. 
He's uh, 150 points instead of 100. Yeah, as for... So, uh, having that in a tournament, I don't think you'll see them. I don't think they'd really be allowed. Um, unless, the mm. t- unless the TO, you know, says pretty much gives you the okay to do it. Um, yeah, you're, you'll be restricted by list. Yeah, usually. What just you're allowed to what you have right so uh, but again you know whatever I, scenario you're playing or if you're having fun with just doing some kind of theater selector go hard use it all <laughs> it's actually a totally. lot of fun it's actually a lot of fun playing those uh scenarios and whatnot and then uh, trying out those I, I love the scenarios yeah i'm excited they sent the uh dana sent the package out a couple oh, days ago, the missions? going yeah. through the going through the missions because we're talking about scenarios, and that uh, I I always forget that they released that scenario package probably like five years ago or something now, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some great like uh, easy to incorporate like there's no like force requirements or anything. There's some great scenarios in that little booklet what do you remember what it's called offhand mm. tournament package or scenario package yeah. for bolt action like worth looking it up if if there's anybody out it's there that phone, uh but phone's my camera right now so <laughs> yeah Any, anybody that wants to try some interesting but still fairly you know basic as they are in the rule book uh, but to mix it up, there's, there's a, I can't remember six or eight scenarios, something like that. So and I, we'll link I it. Put, we'll link it on the, uh, on the, yeah. uh, cast here as well. I'll make sure I put a link for it for, uh, for everybody to take a look. It's like a, a scenario pack for, um, some tournament or something that they did. Right. Yeah. And it's great. Um, just. Easy to incorporate. Yep. Yep, exactly. So that's great. It's uh, a lot of options. So, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, leave any comments, you know, any ideas, anything maybe you want to, you want to hear us talk about. Um, might be the last one for the year, actually, for, for bolt actions. So, oh my goodness, yeah, it's um, be a nice one to end on a little bit of a tactic one again. And uh, you know, unit with my rant in there, unit ranting, you know, you know, so I gotta get, <laughs> gotta get some rants on, yeah. So, we uh, I know next year we're um, still gonna be doing bolt action, of course. Um, and concentrating on, on some more, uh, episodes and tactics and all that. Um, and then of course, anything new that comes out for bolt action. Um, I do believe I'm going to be trying to schedule one for, uh, K 47 actually, um, talking with one of the local gentlemen who is, um, probably the most interested guy here for it. Um, plays a lot of it. He knows knows the stuff so um see how that goes with uh next year as well because i do know that um bolt action or uh, warlord games is now 
has the properties for the full game now so I'm sure they'll be working on that and, and bringing it up to par and who knows there might be more miniatures and it might interest people um, I do know that the Calgary crew that actually is what got them into regular bolt action was K47 um, nice. so they have a following down there too so we'll check that out and uh, see see if there's any interest for that but um, so much more right uh, next year you know probably concentrate a little bit uh, more on some blood red skies some victory at seas that kind of thing uh, just nice. more coverage on uh, events because I do plan to try to do a little bit more on the event side as well um, be it tournaments or be it actual events um, or even just little round robins where you know people come down for the day and just have a good time have some drinks burgers and, and have a good time right that kind of thing and then of gosh course, darn it andy you got <laughs> me excited and then well there there you go it's good gotta <laughs> i'm sold gotta keep the hype going i know the burger sold you right um, <laughs> and then on top of that with um you know uh, jason who's always helped me out a lot with these episodes and also normal gaming days and, and events you know really appreciate it and uh really? I, I treat him pretty good I throw him some Treat, can, I throw him some candy. He, he treats me okay. So, <laughs> um, Sometimes I don't get locked in my cage after these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> get back in there. Build those models. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, between Jason and, uh, of course, the store as well, and a couple of, of local guys, um, definitely try to get some more events stuff planned and um, uh, try to have a bit of a, a wider um kind of reach for other people to kind of come out and uh and play and and get a community going in western canada for events and stuff too right so um it'll be fun it'll, it'll be a lot of work it'll be fun it'll be pretty busy definitely going to be taking more pictures and stuff so keep on uh looking out for that make sure you have your binoculars out and look to the horizon you'll see some rangers you know flashing the beacon say hey there's an event <laughs> and then, uh, of course, there'll be uh, other coverage of, of other games, too, that I'll be into and stuff. So, uh, But again, uh, as always, Jason, thank you for joining in. And, no uh, worries, sir. Making it very enjoyable. And um, thank all you as well for listening in. Um, it's been quite successful this year and the year um, that we launched um, so a lot of excitement a lot of support um, try to read all your guys comments and stuff so uh, again thank you very much and appreciate any feedback as well so hope you guys enjoyed uh, drop us a line let us know what you think comments you know ideas that kind of stuff pictures we all love pictures and then uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side See you. Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it.